Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Welcome to Hashtag Gen Z. I'm your host, Megan Grace. Welcome back. This is episode 19 of Hashtag Gen Z. As Corey and I have done more research on Generation Z, we've also learned a lot more about generational theory. One aspect of generational theory is the influence of societal context on shaping a generation. When we say societal context, we're referencing the idea that what is happening in society during the youth and adolescent years has longer-term impacts on a cohort, which will have an influence on their which will have an influence on their cohort culture, which includes their values, viewpoints, behaviors, and motivations. We look to things like technology, the economy, social issues, and government and politics to serve as main areas of society that have huge influence on how young people learn to communicate, navigate relationships, enter the workforce, and beyond. So in this episode, we're going to take some time to discuss what it's like to grow up as a member of Generation Z and identify the societal aspects that have impacted Generation Z's cohort. My Generation Z guest this episode is Benjamin Laufer, who's a fellow podcast host and a social entrepreneur. He's currently a freshman at Haverford College this fall, and he loves to explore, take risks, solve problems, and is passionate about using business as a means to solve the current and future sustainability challenges. In his free time, he loves to cook, throw ceramics, and read. I'm excited to welcome Benjamin to the show and have him share his experience growing up as a member of Generation Z. I'm so excited to introduce my guest today, Benjamin Laufer. We actually were connected because Benjamin reached out on social media. So we've talked so many times about how social media is such a great way to connect. And um, I'm really thankful that he did. We actually recorded an episode for his podcast, the Head Scratcher podcast. Go check it out if you if you haven't yet. And you know, we had a wonderful conversation and it really inspired me to think about how we can work together, uh, both as podcasters, but also understanding how young people in this generation are growing up and the things that are influencing the ways that they grow up. So I want to welcome my guest, Benjamin Laufer. Benjamin, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. So I know that we've had a chance to chat more um, on your podcast episode and then kind of um, casually online through email, and that's been wonderful to get to know you. But tell our listeners a little bit more um, about who you are. So what do you do, uh, whether that's work, school, what you're focusing on in life? Yeah, absolutely. So I am 19 currently. I'm just finishing up my gap year. And in the fall, I'm going to be a freshman at college. I'm going to Haverford, which is a small school right outside of uh, Philadelphia. And then I guess l- let me go back to the beginning of, of high school for a sec, because that's, I think, where a lot of my interests start. Uh, I was planning on being a chef, actually, when I was a freshman going into sophomore year of high school. I was interning at a bunch of restaurants. Um, and I had this one kind of pivotal experience at a restaurant where they, I, I went in early to the restaurant and I worked with the chef and they had all of these um uh, trucks come by with these, you know, cardboard boxes with all these fresh produce in and the chef would, 
uh, go out and he would smell the produce and taste it. And he took so much time and interest into figuring out that half of the equation, and which was something I never thought about. You always go to the supermarket and you pick out your fruit, your vegetable, whatever's on the shopping list and you go home. And he spent so much time actually talking with the producers and, and thinking and learning about how it was grown. And so that got me really interested in agriculture at the start of my sophomore year, which then kind of blossomed into a general interest in sustainable agriculture because there are a lot of problems associated with uh, sustainability and environmental issues that are associated with agriculture. And that blossomed into a general interest in sustainable development and environmental issues. And that's what I spent a lot of my high school time working on. I was involved in uh, a number of different uh, organizations around sustainable development and some environmental work at my school. And going on to now I'm kind of at the end of at the tail end of, of my high school and I'm graduating and I decided to take a gap year. And the primary reason for that was I wanted to come to more clarity as to what my interests were before I headed off to college. So once I got to college, I could more effectively take advantage of the resources there and know who I wanted to meet, know what I wanted to do. And so I've been, I've been spending a lot of this gap year working on projects. I've been doing a lot of reading, a lot of self-reflecting. Um, like Megan said, she came onto my podcast. And so that's been something I've been working on. And part of the reason I started my podcast was because I felt like halfway through the gap year, I was more confused than when I started, even though the primary goal behind the gap year was to come to more clarity as to what my interests were. And so that's where the name comes from, Head Scratcher. So that's a bit about me. I'm currently, like I said, have a few more months left in my gap year. I'm working on my podcast. Um, I'm kind of dipping my toes into the entrepreneurial world uh, with a startup I'm working on. And then I'm excited to go to college in the fall and hopefully be involved in some sustainability work and some more uh, business related work as well. I was going to ask when you're heading off to college, do you have an idea of what you want to major in? Or are you going to continue to take another year and, and sort out maybe what you're going to focus your academics on? Yeah, I have a few ideas in mind. Uh, between environmental studies or philosophy or sociology, it's probably between the three of those, maybe a double major or a major and a minor, uh, but probably uh, one or one or two of those. I think that's really interesting because if I've, I've learned anything about a lot of our social issues in this world is that they're actually very interdisciplinary um, and that having a background in sociology and agriculture will help you understand both of the, the people that are impacted by the business of agriculture. And um, so sometimes we go down these, these uh, very niche arrows or areas in, in our academic studies and realize that there's a lot of other disciplines that can go into that. So I'm excited to see where this ends up for you because uh, I think you're going to do some, some really cool stuff with that. And I think the aspect of sustainability is definitely growing um, and we definitely need it. So cheers to that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited for college because I think in college, especially versus high school, they focus more on the interdisciplinary nature between subject matters, especially in high school. I felt like all of the different classes I were I was in were really they were they were segmented and they they didn't really connect disciplines. So I'm excited to go to college and hopefully uh, bridge together some of my my different interest areas. Well, I'm, I'm certain you will. Um, so we are talking about growing up today. And sometimes I don't feel like I'm a real adult or grown up, which I thought was really interesting because you interviewed me on your podcast about growing up. And I was like, eh, maybe not. Um, <laughs> I, I like to say I'm a fake adult, um, but I definitely am fascinated by looking at what is going on in the world and how that has shaped young people today. So in talking about Generation Z, 
and you're familiar with our research, we tend to talk about this idea that generations or cohorts of generations are shaped by the society in which they've grown up in. And so this mindset of thinking about what is going on in the world and what is going on in society when young, when a generation is typically like youth, teen, and young adults. And so we're going to be talking about some of those societal happenings or whether they've happened or they're currently happening that is shaping your generation. And I think that you're going to be able to provide some really incredible context um, when we think about that. So today's conversation, we're going to talk about four primary areas, uh, technology, economics, politics and government and social issues, like really small stuff, you know, really small things to chew off. Um, but I really am excited to to see where you take it and, and kind of some of the, the insights you provide us. You ready? Absolutely. Let's get into it. All right. So uh, let's start with technology. This is something I think I've been fascinated with even since I was an undergrad studying communication and social media and kind of the relationship that's built there. Um, but what do you think are some of the most prominent technological influences on your generation? I think there there are two things that come to mind immediately, and that's and these are probably fairly intuitive, which is the internet and the the phone. Um, and I mean, everywhere you go, people. I mean, you can see this across generations, but especially our generation, everyone is looking down at their phone. You can buy things through your phone and have it delivered to you. You can watch movies. You can communicate. There are kind of an unending number of of things that can be done uh, through your phone, and that's you know, largely facilitated by the internet as well. So those are the two primary things I think of when um, I'm thinking about kind of how technology influences our generation. But then there are also some other things that I think are are also really impacting our generation and, and future generations. Just like off the top of my head, I think AI has has begun to to shake up the economy. It's begun to shake up a number of things. And I think we're kind of at the at the cusp of uh, of, of that kind of of that change i think techno technology is changing really exponentially so in 10 15 years things are going to be very different even than they were now and then even looking to our food for example like we're having um i'm vegan and so i i keep up a lot with what's happening in the lab grown meat area with impossible foods and beyond meat and some of the you know more innovative lab grown meat companies and i find that really interesting and i think uh all over the the world, there's there's different innovations happening in terms of food and technology. So food being grown indoors with hydroponics or aeroponics, most of the food we eat now is is genetically engineered or in some way uh, altered to have a greater shelf life. Um, and so I think there are a number of different areas. I think the internet and the and and the iPhone or just the phone in general are the the two primary ones. But then there are all these kind of other little areas that I think impact our lives that we don't even know about, like food. Um, and AI, I think, as as well as we look, you know, 10, 15 years from now. It is truly, I think, incredibly, incredibly fascinating if you really boil down all the things we utilize technology for. Like mobile technology, I think, has drastically changed not only just Generation Z, but all of our our mindsets. Like I can pinpoint throughout times of, of when I was growing up of I like to think about navigation of like if I wanted to go to a friend's house when I started driving and I didn't know it by heart. I had to print out directions or like figure it out on a map. And the, even printing it out from the internet was a kind of really wild technology at the time. And you think back way, way, way back when, like say the 50s, when we were seeing more highways being developed and people could leave their state pretty easily. The only thing you had was like maybe a map, like an atlas, like a roadmap or highway signs. 
And like, what a world we live in now. Like, it is so interesting to think about that. But it's true. Like, I, and I love the the mindset that you bring along with this of how even food is is integrated um, in technology. Think about ordering like on Postmates or Uber Eats. Like, you can call someone without actually having to call someone to bring you your food. So it's wild. We live in a wild world. So next kind of area of society, thinking about the economy again, kind of nebulous, but definitely important to understand. Um, What do you think are some of the economic influences that are shaping your generation? Both maybe it's this large scale of what's going on in our US economy or the global economy, but then maybe if there's kind of these trends in finance or trends in mindset, I think would be really interesting to hear about. Yeah, on a more, I guess, macro level, um, we kind of People, people in Gen Z watched our parents who were in Gen Gen X, I guess. They we kind of watched their their um, their incomes drop during the the two thousand eight uh, financial collapse and the recession. We uh, I feel like watched millennials take on a lot of student loan and debt and social spending. And I think at least across the board that this was the case. Not on you know not that everyone on an individual basis had this experience, but across the board, I think this was generally what happened. And so, at least for me, I feel like we're a little bit more reserved or, or reticent when it comes to taking on student debt. I think we're generally a bit more aware of of financial planning, uh, although I think that financial literacy is still a huge problem, not necessarily specifically among our generation, but just overall, it's a something that I haven't really delved into, and I just turned 19, and I feel like it's this looming thing over my head that I really need to start delving into it soon, but yeah, on a more macro level, I think that's, we have looking at our parents and looking at millennials that has influenced some of our, our kind of our, our own views in terms of, of spending and the economy. And then even just looking at like going back to technology for a bit, everything can be bought online now and, and delivered to your house, which really changes the dynamic. Also like on Instagram, which is where we connected, you can see influencers trying to sell things. Your friends are showing off what they bought. Uh, even going on to just Facebook, there are ads for things to buy any platform. There are a few places you can go out into the digital world or even into the, the real world if you live in a city where you aren't constantly bombarded by consumerism or, or something to spend money on. And so I think we're, you know, in, in, in one way where I think more frugal, or at least in some regards, we're more frugal, but at the same time, I feel like we're constantly bombarded by the idea that we should be spending money in there, that there are things to buy. Um, And then I think there's another question that also pops to my mind or something that I think is important to think about, which is also what impact Gen Z will have on the economy. Uh, Because we're going to be the new workforce. We're going to have tremendous spending capacity as well in the next decade or so. And I'm I'm interested in, and something that I think about a lot is whether we're going to have the right skill sets for the new economy a lot of us, I feel like, don't want to have our own boss. We want to do, or we want to do our own thing. Um, we want to be our own boss, and so I'm interested in how that will all work um, in kind of the the marketplace and the economy. Uh, so those are those are some of my thoughts and some of the things I've been thinking about as it relates to kind of the economic influences on, on Gen Z. Absolutely. And I, I, you brought up a really good point of like, we learn about money from people that come before us. Who would you say has been influential on, you know, your personal 
outlook on money, spending, saving, all of those things? Like where, who do you turn to when it comes to understanding finance and personal financial decisions? Probably my parents, mostly. I think that I saw my parents kind of went along the the general trend of things like like I mentioned with uh, with people in, in Gen X and and, and their and, and their incomes dropping. Uh, we used to live in New York and I lived there for about eight years and my dad was working for um, a larger uh, company or corporation as, as the vice president. He ended up selling that. We moved to the country and since then we've uh, without getting into too much of our personal finances, seen our kind of income drop. And so I've seen that both on kind of the macro level in terms of what's happening more generally, but also just in my own personal life. And I looked, I think I looked to my parents mostly for um, financial advice and, and uh, thoughts on spending. I don't think, I haven't yet started to look more um, kind of, go online and started to research more into financial spending and getting a 401k set up and all of those, all of those things that are extremely important, but I haven't yet started to do. So it's something that uh, I think in the next few years, I'm going to start to get a lot more of my information from um, courses or articles or things online. But at the moment, most of it just comes from my parents. That puts a lot of pressure on anybody that wants to be a future parent because I'm not currently available to provide any financial counsel. <laughs> I'm still figuring it out myself. I might have to give your parents a call. Um, no, my parents are wonderful. Um, so let's talk about this really hairy, scary, sometimes divisive thing in our society called politics and government. Um, what do you think have been some of your generation's most influential factors that have shaped Generation Z when it comes to government and politics? It's hard to say, in my mind at least, because most of us are just getting to the to the age where we can vote in the first place. And at the same time, we've, you know, within Generation Z, there are lots of different experiences. So for me, I grew up in my, when I was, um, you know, from around like nine or 10 until just a few years ago, I grew up with uh, Obama as my president. But if you're at a different age within Gen Z and you could still be considered Gen Z, you could be growing up with Trump right now. And so you could have very different experiences growing up. And both of those um, th- those experiences, you know, can, can shape your, your outlook on life and your, uh, and your own views. Um, and similarly, you could have grown up during the two, 2008 recession and during that whole financial mess. And at the same time, you could have grown up, you know, five years after that when um, the market was getting a lot better, there were hiring signs all over the place and things are good. So I think there are, it's, it's hard in my mind because I think there's a lot of different experiences within Gen Z and um, it's hard to necessarily feel like there's um, one way in which politics or government has, has influenced us. Um, That being said, I think within our generation, we had the first black president elected, um, same sex marriage was legalized. So for me, at least I grew up thinking that, change was very much possible at the governmental level. And that I think, I think people in Generation Z in general, at least this is what I've seen uh, within my circles and growing up is that people think that the government has the power to, um, to, to move forward key social issues that we care about. 
Um, and I think people in Gen Z really do care about social social issues. I think we'll get into this a bit more in a bit. Um, but I think we've seen that the government can do things. And so now when we see that there's a lot of, of polarization and politicization, um, we've seen this kind of upswell in social movements and participation because we know that in the past, the government has been able to do things for these social issues. And I think even though there's a lot of um, tumultuousness around, around politics, there's a lot of you know turbulence and change and flux that we still believe in the government as a means of, of moving forward uh, key issues that we care about. It's very positive. I wish I could find that positivity sometimes. It's the one area in which my millennial positive like uh, optimism doesn't shine through. <laughs> um, I'm becoming a little jaded maybe. That might be it. Um, but I, I, I do in some ways agree that it's in its intent and its purpose. The government is intended to help the people it serves. Um, but we've got some personal issues that some people need to set aside for to do that. So I, I'm just really hopeful because as we segue into social issues, I'm a big – I'm a big believer that your generation actually understands social issues um, much more in depth and much more thoroughly than any previous generation has. And I think that with that, like, I think that you gain political activism when you find a social issue that you truly do care about. And so I'm hoping that there's kind of going to be this connection between um, your generation's really adept nature and the ability to uh, understand social issues and then how to advocate for those and see that governmental change, as you've mentioned. So let's take that turn right into it. What are some of the major social issues that you think have shaped your generation? <laughs> there, there are really so many. It's hard to to settle on only a few. Uh, you have the Me Too movement, which has come along in the past few years, and I think that's shaped um, – that's been a, a, a huge um, kind of uh, topic topic or a point of conversation for the past few years. But then climate change has been something over the past decade. And I think even more recently that that's been really important for our generation and has been a really defining characteristic of our, of our generation is, is env environmentalism and advocating for, um, you know, carbon tax and, and more effective strategies to, uh, curb global emissions. Then you also have, you know, March for Our Lives and gun rights. You have the Women's March and and things around um, gender equality. You have Black Lives Matter and and racial justice, and then LGBTQ plus rights. So there are really there are many many movements, and I think we were talking about this earlier in the conversation where a lot of these things intersect, or at least different disciplines intersect. And so it's hard to necessarily isolate each one of them because I think looking at the climate movement, for example, gender equality is a really important part of that because when you look at who is dis disproportionately affected by climate change. Um, so it, a lot of these things intersect and it's hard to necessarily isolate them entirely. But I think that um, climate change is, is definitely one of the defining movements uh, for our generation. And I would say that uh, gun rights and, and gender equality and, and the Me Too movement are probably some of the defining ones. And I think social media and, you know, the, the ability to, to more efficiently or, or more effectively or with more ease, uh, advocate for what you believe in or involve yourself in movements has amplified the voices uh, of a number of people in our generation and has given movements the ability to spread more effectively. Um, and it's connected people also to the movements that they care about. I can go on Facebook or Instagram right now and I can 
follow along with um, Zero Hour, which is a climate movement, or I can follow along with you know Black Lives Matter. And so I can follow the movements I care about. I can see their progress. I can see their updates. Um, at the same time, though, it also worries me slightly because I think social media can sometimes falsely make us think that we are involved in movements when we really aren't. Uh, I've seen a lot of people in my generation share things online. They'll share things that they care about. But beyond that, they're only really involved from that peripheral perspective. They don't actually show up at marches. They don't show up and work on organizing or, or, or working on campaigns. So yeah, I think those are some of the defining movements. And there are definitely positives to social media and how it's helped movements. I think there are also some negatives. But I think overall, our generation is very socially active. I think they understand social issues quite well. And I think that overall, um, they are optimistic about the ability for activism and advocacy to uh, change the future. It's amazing. I When you boil down to think about the social issues that you really care about, it's like gender equality, treat everybody the same, like treat everyone as a human. Climate change, like clean our earth up and uh, like gun safety, like just allow people to be safe. So it's like really as much as like Gen Z is painted as this like such a social radical generation in my mind, I'm like, nah, they're just wanting humans to be able to live like safely, freely, um, you know, things like that on a clean earth. They're not, we're really not asking too much. Um, but I really love that you're bringing a lot of young young energy and young voice to these issues because I think that we as a society have been kind of grappling with them for a long time. But I've interviewed some other young Gen Z members and that they've talked about the importance of the the, the energy that you all have and the, the power that you all do have. And I think that um, you really did sum it up this mindset of there is so much um, – intertwined in these other components of the way that you use technology, the way you interact in the economy, and the way that you're looking at government and politics as, as sources of addressing some of these issues. But some of these issues are so large that it's not going to be one avenue to see it through. So we'll see. I'm Again, I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful for this group. Yeah, I'm hopeful as well. I Even though I'm within the generation, so that may give me, you know, some of some, some bias, but people genuinely care and i think that even in the age of 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 trump and without getting too political uh i think it's largely been a motivating factor for people to get out and, and advocate for what they care for uh and i think that it very much could have been the opposite it very much could have been a demotivating factor and and i'm glad that people in gen z especially but i think even people across a number of different generations are advocating what they care for, even in the in the face of um, a lot of injustices and kind of continued um, defeat almost. Yes, I think that that's a very positive way to say that we've channeled energy um, and we need it. And some people are like, everyone's offended by everything all the time. I'm like, nah, we're just trying to treat people in, in a nice way. That's all. Um, that's it. Not too much here. So we've kind of talked about this over like overlapping nature of how these societal influences really do shape your generation. Do you think there's one societal influence that has potentially shaped your generation more than others? So if you think about like, if we were to make a Venn diagram out of these things, do you think one societal influence would take up more of that circle than another? I would say tech probably, at least when, when looking at Gen Z as it relates to other generations, because I think it's the, 
out of those four primary areas that we talked about, it's the only one that in my mind at least changes exponentially. So when I was growing up, I remember uh, sitting in, uh, I went to a Quaker school and, and we, I remember sitting in the Quaker meeting hall and we had all of our parents around us on the first day and they were all looking at the first you know, generation of the iPhone and you could see the light coming up from their screens. And then now I look at my, my younger sister and she has like the, the iPhone X, the newest one, and she's far more tech savvy than me. And I think technology is moving at a rate that is really hard to keep up with. And even within generations like Generation Z, and my younger sister is a part of that, there is things are changing so quickly that there isn't one way to see how tech influences our generation. Like if you look back, um, I'll probably get these numbers wrong, but whatever, 40 years ago or so, we had, you know, Pong was created, which was just, you know, a, a ball going back and forth on a screen and you could control either side of the screen to have the ball go one way or the other. And it was, you know, a little, you know, video ping pong uh, game. Obviously, I haven't actually had the chance to play it. But if you look at going from from there to where we are now, the, the rate of change is just unbelievable. And so it's really hard to keep up with how it's impacting us. So I'd say among those four things, technology is probably the thing that influences our generation most and will continue to. Uh, like I mentioned before, I think AI is going to change the job market a lot. And I'm, I worry sometimes whether our skill set is, is prepared for uh, the new job market and the new economy. So I think technology probably has uh, affects our generation most, at least in comparison to um, to other generations or, or in, in relation to those other uh, three main points. I agree. And I think that technology has actually opened up your ability to interact with the economy and interact with government and interact with social issues. And so people are always like, what's the biggest defining character? So I'm like, I can't even delineate that because these all fall together, but technology plays such a critical role. I mean, it has really redefined the way that, you know, think about building relationships and communication that is completely, completely changed um, solely because of technology. So Benjamin, this has been wonderful. I have loved your insights on all of this. And um, before I let you go, I have to ask my favorite question and a question I ask every one of my guests, but what is your favorite thing about your Generation Z peers? Uh, I would say we're self-starters. I think it's partly enabled by the internet and the ability that the, the fact that we can access information really easily and, and access opportunities. But I think that our generation is, isn't waiting for, for something to happen, that we aren't waiting for, for luck, that we create our own luck and that uh, if we want to get something dumb, done, that we do it. And so, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say we're self-starters and I'm happy that uh, that's something that I feel like our generation is um, is really important to our generation. I would agree. I am constantly amazed when I talk to members of Generation Z and all the things they're doing at much younger ages than I would have ever dreamed of doing. And there's just something really innate in your generation about having – and it's not to do it to have like an impressive resume or anything like that, but it is just this drive to do things and do them for generally the common good that it is, it truly does amaze me. And I'm, I'm really thankful that you're utilizing all that good youthful energy for positive things. So 
Benjamin, this has been a delight. Thank you again for being here today and and hanging out and kind of sharing about what it's been like to grow up as a member of Generation Z. And thank you for reaching out a few weeks ago so we were able to connect and, and become podcast friends. And I'm really excited for you to continue to release some of your episodes because I think you've got some great content that's helping young people within your your general age cohort figure some life stuff out, but also it's going to be very educational for people that are trying to understand young people today. So thank you, Benjamin. Thank you, Megan. Really enjoyed that conversation. Thanks for having me on. We often go about attempting to understand generations by only reading the news headline and not going much further beneath the surface in terms of what's motivating or influencing widespread behavior among generational cohorts. Taking a look at aspects of society that have influenced and shaped a generation can give us more clarity and understanding, and truthfully, more empathy to the differences that exist between generations. I want to thank my friend and guest today, Benjamin, for sharing his story and experiences as to what it's like growing up as a member of Generation Z. And thank you for tuning into this episode. It was so wonderful to chat with my friend Benjamin, but don't forget to go give his podcast, The Head Scratcher Podcast, a listen. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. More great episodes are on the way, and you'll want to stay up to date when they drop. And your feedback's important to me, so I can improve the show and so other listeners can find the show. So if you know of an awesome Gen Z, like Benjamin, that have a cool story to share, please let me know. You can head over to my website, meganmgrace.com, or find me on social media to drop me a line. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Thanks again for hanging out. Let's continue this conversation, and we'll chat soon. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.